Hey guys, it's me, Ashley. If you guys don't know me, I'm Ashley Jones. I'm a member here at St. Paul. I am one of your young adult board members, and I'm here filling in for Dr. Reverend Marco McNeil. Um, he couldn't be here with us tonight, but I'm filling in, and I hope I do a good job. But tonight is Kaya. It's Wednesday. It's the end of the month, and it's time for Kaya. Tonight, we have Dr. Scott. We're doing part two of Ask Pastor. So it's a Q&A session. And we have this opportunity to ask Dr. Scott all the questions that um, that we have. And I just, we appreciate him so much giving us this platform so we can do that. But we have um, some panelists here with us. And I see you guys are coming in. Thanks guys for coming in. I see you, Bosco. Hey, church fam. I miss y'all so much. I cannot wait for us to get back into the sanctuary so I can see y'all. I can hug on y'all and we can have a good time like we did before. So, but let's jump into it. We have some panelists and I, cause, because I really want to get into these questions because they're really good. You guys really outdid yourselves. Um, hold on to your seatbelt, Dr. Scott. But anyway, we've got some panelists. And so our first um, panelist is Jessica Carter. She is our one of our choir members and she has been holding it down in that soprano section since I left her over there. I know my blessings and that wasn't one of them. <laughs> but thank you, Jessica, for coming here and um, being one of our panelists to ask Dr. Scott some questions. We also, hey, Mary, um, we also have Draper, Draper Brown. He has been a long time member. I think out of all the panelists, he's probably been a member of St. Paul the longest. He has been with St. Paul since he was a kid. Y'all may not know, but he is the son of Deacon Anthony Brown. Um, but we, no buts. We love Draper and we're so glad that he's here with us tonight. We also have Ashley Johnson. She is, um, she, well, I'm not going to say she's from South Carolina because she will just kill me, Lord Jesus. She is from, she hails from New York, um, but she's here at, in Charlotte at St. Paul, and she serves with us on the Young Adult Ministry. Hey, guys. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for being here. Again, this is Kaya. This is Ask Pastor, Ask Pastor. So they've got some questions. We've got your questions and we're going to go through all of them. Um, each one of the panelists are going to ask two questions and we're going to move along that way. But let's talk about the man of our church, the, the man of God of our church. Again, we thank him so much for giving young adults this platform like he Ever since he's been here, he has definitely let us know that he's got a heart for us and he always makes room for us. So we appreciate you, Dr. Scott, for being here and giving us this opportunity to talk with you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ashley. It's, it's a joy to um, uh, be able to share with you all on this platform. And of course, uh, I just give um, very excited about how uh, the young adults are moving as far as uh, really being engaged and, and active. And of course, uh, going on, gosh, five years now, and I have seen uh, a lot of growth, but even more so importantly, some of y'all getting ready to age out a young adult. Yes. Yeah, y'all, yeah, yeah, y'all. Just go ahead and come on over to folks like me in the middle age. <laughs> middle age, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 it it happens, you know. If the Lord gives you health, life, and strength, uh, you 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 phase out some things. And one of the things that I, I have discovered, I've been where you all are, and um, been serving the Church of Jesus Christ for almost thirty years. And of course, started out 
as a young adult pastor, pastor mm-hmm. at my first church at the age of 22. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, so uh, a lot of things have changed, but the more things change, the more they remain the same. And so uh, some of the questions that you all probably have, we were asking those questions 25, 30 years ago, and people were asking them before. But because of technology, because of shifts in the culture, we have to really look at things a lot differently now uh, than we did back then. Right. We have, I feel like with the technology and the wealth of information or the access to information, you know, some things that, like you said, some most of the questions that we have, probably some of the same questions, but I also just, you know, new technology, new new access to new information can mm-hmm. kind of drum up some, and you know, the times are changing. We've got a lot of stuff, you know, that we're dealing with that might not have been as prevalent or in your face mm-hmm. as it is now. So, mm-hmm. I want to get into it. All right. All right. Pray my, pray my scrimp. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So should we just jump in or are you going to pray us in? What are we going to do? Well, um, whatever you tell me to do. So uh, I, I flow with you all. Well, pray us in, Dr. Scott. Pray us okay. in. All right. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer as um Others join us as far as how our various platforms are concerned. God, we come and we thank you for Kaya and for this wonderful opportunity to be able to uh, have conversation, uh, not only about the issues that our young adults are facing, but really all of us are facing in some shape, form or fashion. And so, God, if you would uh, give clarity of thought, uh, simplicity of speech um, and as far as dialogue is concerned, uh, let us learn from each other. Uh, I'm excited to uh, learn from my uh, sisters and brothers in in you uh, that they will help to also uh, make me a better follower of thee. So show yourself mighty and strong, O oh God, and we will bless your name for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All Let's right. get to it because we got a lot of questions. So, Jessica, you're up. All right. You on mute, Jessica. You're on mute. I was having a whole conversation with you, Pastor. I, I see that. I see that. <laughs> I, oh, I can't read lips, though. <laughs> I know. I know. I was just saying, I hope I don't age out of uh, young adult ministry anytime soon. I hope yeah, that I get older than you, the, the, the scale. No, 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 no. no. It, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Look, if, if that was the case, you could still be part of the youth ministry then and the children ministry. I can pass for it from time to time. Oh, God. <laughs> but, you know, Pastor, the thing on everyone's mind right now is the pandemic, right? It's been a year. You know, we've been doing virtual church for a year. And, you know, it's doing well. It's thriving. I'm sure our viewers are still engaged. However, you know, there's so many of us who have joined St. Paul because of that sense of community because we can call it home. So it's a multi-question thing here where we wanna know, you know, how are you gonna to continue to keep us engaged because no one really knows for how long the pandemic will last. Um, then is there any target date around when you think we'll try to start fellowshipping together again? And then lastly, you know, what does that return even look like? Because I'm sure it's not easy for you to plan this. You know, the CDC changes their rules every other day. What is your insights on it, Pastor? Wow. Um, first of all, um, that's a, all of those questions are question, questions that 
as a pastor that I wrestle with nearly every day, uh, as, as staff here at the church, we are constantly talking about what coming back to the church is going to look like. What are we going to do as far as bringing folks back in? The, the other thing is we're also talking about um, with different leaders, uh, board of directors, deacons, medical team, uh, and anyone that has anything to do with in-person worship, first impression, ushers, music ministry. Um, we're beginning to start having some, some um, conversations. Uh, right now, I, I have to admit that I don't have a hard date. Um, we, we have not come up with that. Um, so let me, if I could, kind of talk about why we're moving the way that we're moving versus why other churches, you may see them opening up and having in-person worship. First of all, um, St. Paul is so large, we can't do what everybody else does. And there are some larger churches that may be opening up, but their leadership, honestly speaking, have a particular political perspective that undergirds why they do what they do. And so because of those political perspectives, some of them are more prone to flow that way. Uh, my concern, and I've said this over and over, that after your salvation, my greatest concern is your safety and security. And, and I'm trying to be, along with our leadership, very judicious as far as when we allow for the church to open back up with some semblance of being able to have a fully engaged worship experience. And of course, uh, you may know that we, we have, when we have funerals, we limit that number to like 50. Now, our sanctuary seats comfortably 1,600 people. But even for funerals, we limit it to 50. So why are we moving the, the, the way that we're, we're moving? Um, first of all, this pandemic is still real. People are still dying. Secondly, um, one of the issues within the African-American community, in fact, I was on a, on, on a call with um, the county commissioner for health, uh, the health director for Mecklenburg County last week, uh, Gibby Harris. And she was sharing with a group of us clergy persons that the vaccination numbers, particularly in the African-American community, is nowhere in sync with what the population of the African-American community is in Mecklenburg County. So for example, uh, if our population makeup is like between 30 to 35% in the county, we've only had, we've had less than 25% of African-Americans to become vaccinated. That's gonna pose a problem because we're now beginning to see some lifts as far as mandates are concerned, but it's only really for those that are vaccinated. And I think that a lot of people, when it comes to the vaccine, of course, we got vaccination hesitancy, especially because of what happened with the Johnson Johnson situation. You know, folks that were thinking about getting vaccine go like, oh, no, I ain't doing that now. So guess what? We got to rebuild that that momentum again for people to to become vaccinated, because really. Becoming vaccinated, and I'm fully vaccinated. My wife, Pierre, is fully vaccinated. We've held, we have vaccinated 
through St. Paul, as far as our connection with Atrium, 1,400 people in the community. Uh, we have not yet been approved to do another round of vaccinations, but that's been part of our contribution. But people got to get vaccinated and we got to continue to dispel the myths about the vaccination. First of all, you're, when you're vaccinated, you're not vaccinated with the COVID-19 virus. That, that is not happening. You are, you are being vaccinated with a protein that then prepares your body that if you get COVID-19, it will not devastate you as bad as if you don't have the vaccination. And a lot of people don't understand it. I mean, I hear preachers talking about, I ain't taking because you're going to get vaccinated with the vaccine. That, that's not the case. The other thing is that, so that's a scientific thing. The other thing that we got to help people to debunk is a, a scriptural or theological issue. And the scriptural and theological issue is that there are people who are going, saying, going around saying, well, if you get vaccinated, you're getting vaccinated. It's the mark of the beast <laughs> based in Revelation. No, it is not. It is not. And that's such a horrible, horrible understanding of Revelation 12 and 13. Uh, but the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Uh, you're not being vaccinated with, 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 with the virus. So we got to get those numbers up. And so for me and for some of our key leaders, as far as some just preliminary conversations, we really want to see more people in the community and in our state get vaccinated before we can say, okay, we're ready to pull that trigger as far as allowing for folks to come to come back in. Um, but here's the thing that, that I can say that within the next month or so, we will be having some really uh, significant conversations about what, when, where, how it's a work in progress. And basically what I'm going to be doing is pulling together a large contingent of, of, of people to be part of those conversations to talk about what, um, when we will come back, what worship will look like when we come back. I do know that according to Gibby Harris, she says that even when we get together in person, particularly within the confines of the church, that we're still going to have to wear masks. We're still going to have to practice social distancing. We're not going to have 1,600 folks in the church. Um, um, uh, so we got to figure out what those numbers are going to look like. We also got to figure out um, um, how we will flow as far as the worship experience is concerned. Egress, exits, things of that sort. Uh, one thing that we we are learning is that doing temp checks really doesn't work by virtue of the fact that you could be asymptomatic, have a good temp check and still spread the virus. So we're looking at here at St. Paul, possibly uh, for worship as well as for my office staff phasing out the temp check. We've been doing that very diligently and you know, having come to church, that, that we've been been doing that. But what I what I want to do, uh, Jessica, is really task um, this group that we're going to pull together to have them to develop the plan to be the evangelists, if I could use that word, for getting out um, to the congregation at large what it is that we're we're looking at doing. Because a lot of folks are going to be rather hesitant coming back. When I hear preachers talk about you, I can't wait to open back up. If you open back up and you don't have a plan, you're going to mess up. And I, I want to be I want us here at St. Paul to be very judicious because here's what I don't want. 
I don't want us to open up. You have a, a flare up that's taking place in India right now. India is suffering. And India is supposed to be one of the most industrious and educated nations in the country that really have a lot of, of it. But India is going through. Why? Because they open up too soon and they relax the standards too soon. So now they got to have oxygen coming in on, on trains and stuff like that just for ventilation purposes. And so part of my concern is what impact is that going to have on this country? Because we have to understand that if it's blowing up in one part of the world, it can impact us. The other thing that, that, that I'm concerned about is, of course, uh, increasing vaccination numbers and capacity overall uh, in the general population, but also particularly among the African-American community. And then dealing with the hesitancy of people wanting to come back. So even when we do come back, we're going to be still doing a lot of things that we're doing now because what is emerging is this thing called, and I got this from James White at the Mecklenburg Community Church here in Charlotte, the digital church. And the digital church is this hybrid model between the digital and physical space. So even when we do open back up, we have been live streaming before, but we've taken our stuff to a whole nother plan, a whole nother model that has allowed for us to do engagement. So we're going to have to continue to have social media influencers and digital ministers, even when we open back up, that will engage that online, uh, those persons who attend online um, to really maintain that sense of, of, of engagement. And, and that really, we're looking at what I would call church 3.0 now um, that uh, takes the church and allows for us to spread the gospel because we have people who are now claiming to be part of St. Paul and live nowhere near Charlotte. It's crazy. It, 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 it is mind blowing. We, we, I'm receiving tithes and offerings from folks in, in, in Ohio, Mississippi, Louisiana, uh, Missouri, Georgia. I mean, we got folks that are giving to the church, you know, and, and watching us online and, and some of them are even making connections. So, we're going to have to eventually, even one day, really look at what does it mean to be a, quote, member slash disciple of St. Paul? Well, Pastor, thank you, as always, for not only bringing the research and doing your due diligence on what is going on in the world in general, you know, statistics, the plans, but also bringing it to the biblical context, because we're all getting mixed messages from so many places. And it's reassuring to have our pastor know what he knows and be able to share with that with us. Um, but as well, you talked about, oh, go ahead, Pastor. Yeah, no, well, here, here but here's the other thing, too, Jessica. We're going to need um, people. First of all, I can't do it. God knows I can't do it. My staff can't do it. We're going to need disciples who got some level of expertise, which is why I'm bringing together this group to really guide me <laughs> and, and, and give insight as far as uh, let, let me share this and then, and, and then I'll, I'll entertain your question. When, 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 when this pandemic broke out last year and I shut down the church, I caught it. I mean, folks were like, why, why are we getting, well, folks are dying and I ain't want to be on the news talking about St. Paul is super spread. So, you know, uh, folks are dying. And, and, and my honest estimation was, I thought, 
oh, this will be maybe a couple of weeks, month, two months at the most. It's 15 months. It's been 15 months since I've seen our congregation, you know, in mass. 15 months. And just think about it. Even when we come back, we got to recalibrate how we do church because we can't do it the same way we did it before. So dealing with that, that's 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 been a, a, a struggle um, for me because I thought we would not be out as long as we've been and, 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 and we have. So it's, it's an interesting place to be because none of us thought we would be where we are right now. I agree with you, Pastor. I don't think anyone could have predicted it. It's it's difficult, <laughs> but we're here, you know, mm-hmm. and we're making it through. And as you talk about this church 3.0, um, another question that we received was kind of around Zoom fatigue. So I work in IT, you know, when you talk directly about, you know, you know, people in India, most of my colleagues are in India. You know, I'm on the phone with them every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday, you know, just because of the sun, you know, chasing the sun, just work in general. So mm-hmm. then you have us all try to log in on Sundays and watch you on, on live. Mm-hmm. What is some of the advice that you can give to some of the young adults who may have seen some weaknesses in their faith or in their faith practices, right? Because some mornings, maybe you just don't want to log in because you've been on the computer all day. What advice can you give us? So here is, if, 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 I, if I could say it like this, technology is, has been both a blessing and a curse. Okay. Um, it is a blessing in the sense that we are able to make this shift. Now, if, if, if I could, um, God knows, I, I understand Zoom fatigue because now, you know, not only are people who work in IT dealing with Zoom fatigue, our kids are dealing with Zoom fatigue, um, people that are working every day dealing with Zoom fatigue, uh, a lot of us are dealing with Zoom fatigue. So I, I, God knows I get it. I mean, uh, there are some days I'm on, like you, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with a Zoom call probably about four or five hours. And then, you know, it's like, hey, it, it, it can get you. It can get you. However, had we not had this capacity, if we did not have this technology, no work would get done. Communications and relationships would not be able to be in some sense maintained. And we'll be up the creek without a boat and a powder and not know how to swim. So so the, the blessing is we're able to do this. The curse is it is, you know, a lot of it. So where do we where do we find the balance and, and, and how do we deal with this, particularly now that when it comes to church? You know, this is, for the most part, the way that, that we have to do it. I think that one of the things that we have to, to, to really do is um, the blessing is if you don't want to watch us at 1030, you can catch us anytime you want to. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, if, if you don't want to watch us at, at, at 1030 from 1030 to 12, guess what? You can catch us and we do a rebroadcast uh, now on Sundays. So you catch us anytime you want to, or you can go to Facebook live, catch us anytime you want to give anytime you want to. That's the 
That's the blessing uh, of, of, of technology. The, there are some things, though, that you can't get technologically. It's, it's something about being present and being with each other that, that, that doesn't come across the screen. And so I think that's the negative side of us having to do worship and do a lot of the things that we need to do uh, right now. And even the maintenance of relationship. God knows um, I would not want to be trying to have a relationship with my wife through Zoom. Cause I ain't trying to kiss no computer screen. It ain't the same. <laughs> so, so, so guess what? When it comes to the church and when it comes to fellowship, uh, we're going to have to reorient ourselves to what that looks like because there's only so much we can do from a technological perspective. And, and, and I really believe that one day, I really believe one day we're going to be able to gather back in some sense of mass or, or large group settings, but it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time in, in, in order to, to do that. Um, but let me be transparent because this, pand this pandemic has tested my faith and it has stretched my faith. And as we've gone through the pandemic, there have been times that I've had to fight off bouts of depression. I got me a therapist. I see my therapist once a month. And, um, uh, and, and so I, I, I have to navigate these, these mental issues. And I think that one of the things that um, I want to encourage folks, you know, Jesus and therapy works. And, 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 and I, I, I deal with this just so that I can have clarity about how to engage. I used to do a lot of traveling as far as across the country to do revivals and things of that sort. And um, not being able to do that uh, or be on the road like I used to. I used to do 22, 20, 27 revivals a year or conferences or whatever. I was preaching at that, you know, um, uh, that did a lot for me. Can't do that now. But I've, I've had to fight off the pressure. So how, how do... How do young adults um, or anybody really deal with this thing? I, I think there, there are a few things that we have to be very serious about. First of all, give yourself some grace. Stop beating up on yourself. Give yourself some grace. I think that part of the reason that our, our faith gets weakened is because of our perception about what God is trying to do in this pandemic. Okay. Some folks look at it as judgment. You know, some folks, you know, uh, look at it as God trying to shift how we get along with each other. So uh, give yourself some grace. But then I think you also have to become consistent with biblical discipline. And one of the challenges I issued was spend 15 minutes a day in devotion, reading your Bible and praying. Start off with 15 minutes. You'd be surprised what 15 minutes a day can do to recalibrate your spirit, your psyche. And then you have to make a distinction between your faith and your feelings. And I think that too often we predicate what God is doing based upon our feelings rather than faith. And that faith is connected with, with, with two things. Number one, it is connected with our knowledge and understanding of who God is. 
and, and, and why God moves the way that God moves. And then also understanding the character of God, the character of God will substantiate your faith when you can't feel God. Um, and, and so if you know that God is a holy God, then you know that God is always going to do the right thing, even when you don't understand it. And so when you are able to still do what you do based upon faith and not your feelings, then never. I'll be honest, there's some Sundays I show up, I don't feel like preaching. There's some days I don't feel like reading my Bible, doing devotion. There's some days I don't feel like praying, but I do it. And here's what I really want to drive home, because unfortunately, in this culture, there are folks that say, well, you shouldn't do things out of ritual. Ain't nothing wrong with ritual because ritual at times keeps you on point when you don't want to be on point. OK, so so you got to develop that habit, that ritual of doing it. Because like I said, there's some Sunday I don't feel like I'm church. I don't want to preach. I don't want to hear no singing. But guess what? I press my way. And somewhere even between the, 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 the call to worship and, and the benediction, the Lord moves. And gives me what I need. Awesome. awesome, Pastor. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. Pastor Scott. What's up? What's up, Brother Draper? <laughs> uh, well, one, again, appreciate your time on this evening. Uh, I've got a question that is somewhat related to the pandemic, uh, but not, not nearly as much as the two questions we just talked about. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but at least in my age group, I feel like me and a lot of my friends discussed how we saw an increase uh, during the pandemic in babies. <laughs> at one point, we had the, the saying, oh, the, another quarantine baby is born. <laughs> um, babies, proposals, uh, you know, people spending a lot of time at home together. Whatever it may be, uh, that seemed to cause that spike, at least amongst uh, people in my age group. Uh, so a, a question for you, um, you know, for someone that, that considers himself, you know, to be a good Christian or, or to be working towards being a good Christian and being more Christ-like, uh, once they're in a relationship uh, and they feel that their relationship has been ordained by Christ, um, this is the person that, you know, God put in their life for them to marry, at that point in time, I'm with the person I want to marry, right? Okay. What is the benefit of me continuing to abstain from having sex with the person that I know I want to marry or that I'm working towards a marriage with? We are not yet married. We have not crossed that threshold because maybe it's like, hey, God, like, I know I'm ready. You know, we're ready. I know you put them in my life for a reason. Uh, but I can't afford a marriage right now. And I want, you know, I can't afford a wedding right now. Or, you know, we can't afford to move to the sex city or we can't afford this, that, and the third. So there's a couple of things in our way of us, you know, having a wedding and becoming married, and, you know, doing it the right way, quote unquote. Uh, well, not quote unquote, it is the right way. But <clears throat> so that's my question to you. What is the, uh, what are the benefits of continuing to abstain from having sex with someone that you already know and plan to marry? Woo! <laughs> um, what are the benefits? Being obedient to God. That's the benefit. Now, let's deal with reality. Most folks ain't going to do that. Okay? Now, I've, I've been here going on 
it'd be five years in, in October. And if anyone knows me, you, 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 if you don't know me, you'll learn this. If you don't want to know the truth, don't ask me. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, I, and, and, and I try to, I try to be as compassionate, uh, but also at the same time truthful. So the, the benefit of it is being obedient to what God desires. And, 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 and here is why, here is why um, God in God's infinite wisdom really wanted certain things to be a certain way because God understands how certain things happen when we open ourselves up to, to expressions that, that, that are different from what God would have for us to do. So when, when it comes to, to, to this idea of, you know, I have, I, I know people, good people love God. They live together. Of course they sleep together. Um, um, uh, I, you know, I come to the table I, and being transparent, you know, I, I, I have to admit that, you know, that was my lot too. And I was a preacher of the gospel. And so I know what, what, what that looks like and, and how that impacts us from a, a, a spiritual and, and a personal and a psychological and an emotional perspective because like I said when you look at what 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 God writes as far as the word of God is concerned particularly in Genesis 2 and I'll unpack that in just a moment and then we talk about what Paul writes about particularly in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 7 when he talks about how your body is the temple of the whole of God and how your body belongs to the Holy Spirit and um, it's better to to marry than to burn and he deals with all the things that come along with that. And I, I think that part of the reason that that God wants certain things to work, sorry, if God, if 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 God was to make us robotic and make us obey everything that God did, we would only we would only be with one person in a lifetime. God gives us choice. And in God giving us choice we reap benefits or we suffer consequences. Okay. So, so let me, if I could just do a, a short little, 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 little diatribe on Genesis two, seven, just two, seven that says that, enemy, that, that God created Adam out of the dust of the ground. That's the flesh breathed into him, breath of life. And, and, and man became a living soul. All right. So the soul is the combination of flesh and spirit. Got that? Okay, my body, spirit that God breathed into me. That's what makes us a living soul. Soul is a combination of flesh and spirit. So that means that if I have a spirit, but I don't have a body, I ain't a living soul. And if I got a body, but it ain't got no spirit, I ain't a living soul. So the soul is the synthesis of flesh and spirit that comes together that makes you a living soul. All right. Now, it's interesting to note that after God made Adam, God said, God said, it wasn't Adam. Adam was cool. God said, it ain't good for man to be alone. Therefore, I'm going to make a helper, a partner for him. And according to the Bible, God takes uh, from Adam's rib, according to the Bible, shapes and form into Eve, brings it under Eve. Adam said, this bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. And the Bible says, for this reason, shall a man leave his 
father and his mother cleave to his wife and the two of them shall become one flesh. Now watch this. I'm getting ready to drop, I'm getting ready to drop some, some, some hot nuggets on y'all. Because unfortunately, over the last, I want to say 15, 20 years, this idea of soul ties. Have you heard of that before? Soul ties has been perpetuated and it's unbiblical. Ain't no such thing as soul ties. There, let me say that again. Ain't no such thing as soul ties. Let me say that one more time. And, and if y'all are filling me in the chat, you can send some hearts or whatever. Ain't no such thing as soul ties. It is not substantiated in scripture. Because guess what? If there is a such thing as soul ties, and if the soul is the synthesis of the body and the spirit, and you hear what folks say that when you sleep with someone, talk about having sex, that you, your, 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 your spirit becomes connected with them. No. No. The Bible says that the two of them shall become, watch this, one flesh, not one soul. Can I teach just for a moment? That, that, that the two of them become one flesh, not one soul. So how can my spirit become part of somebody else's spirit? Because if my spirit becomes part of somebody else's spirit, then I die. That don't make no sense. And people have bought that stuff hook, line, and sink, and it ain't biblical. So, but here is what happens when you start sleeping around and things of that sort. What winds up happening is it impacts us emotionally, psychologically, relationally, and spiritually. Spiritually, because when we engage in that, what winds up happening is, is that when we do what we want to do, because we're acting according to the flesh, we really put ourselves outside of the will of God for God to do some things that God wants to do in our lives. There's some blessings that we're going to find that God wanted to give us, but he couldn't because we were doing what we wanted to do. Okay. The, the second thing is that from an emotional perspective, if the right man or woman put it on you real good, you might be messed up for life because you're doing comparative analysis now. That's, hey, I'm, I'm just giving it to you like it's real. So you're doing a comparative analysis. Oh, he ain't like so-and-so, so-and-so was. Or she, she, she ain't make my toes curl like so-and-so, so-and-so did. And so, and so, so if, if, if you engage in that, then, then what happens is you wind up doing, doing comparative an, an analysis rather than if you were to do it the way that God wanted to, to do it. And if the world was perfect and sinless, it would be one person. So it'd be one man for one woman. And you wouldn't have to worry about comparative analysis. You wouldn't know if it was good sex or bad sex. <laughs> All right. So, so, so. Let's let's put it where 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 as my my grandmother used to say, let's put it where, where the cows can get it. So we're we're living in a time where when when you when you engage in in behaviors, of course we know that there are STTIs out there. Uh, we know that um, if, if you're not careful, you can die because of sex because you can catch contract HIV or AIDS. And even though there is medicine now that extends life, the wrong thing, you know, and, and your immune system can become very compromised. Um, but but even more importantly than that, you, you, it just it, it just messes you up because you're trying to chase the next fix. Sexually. 
And 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 unfortunately, um, it, it it could throw you off 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 kilter. And so one thing that 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 I try to deal with is to help people to understand what God desires. Because when I talked about sex before, I started my conversation off like this. Paul said it's good for a man not to touch a woman and leave it at that. <laughs> now, to, to, do it, to do the deep dive, um, Paul gives parameters on what should be happening. So here is pastors, you know, um, my take, I, I, you know, when you get grown enough to do what you feel you want to do, I would rather that you protect yourself um, from disease, from unwanted pregnancies. I, I would rather that you protect yourself if you're going to engage in that act. And I deal with you from a biblical pastoral perspective than for you to um, engage in that act in a very un in, in a very undisciplined uh, manner and, and some stuff happened. And so what I'm not sanctioning fornication by any stretch of the imagination because that's what the Bible calls it. And, and it, but I know that when we get off this call in a few minutes, somebody going to go and, and knock boots and, you know, it is going to be what it is. Um, so even as we have these conversations and, and we talk about this, um, we put it out there, but to go back to the original premise, why do what, why, why should you do those certain things? Because God asks you to do it and is trying to, to be as faithful to God as possible uh, as far as that's concerned. So that's how, how I, I rest with that. Judge a lot. <laughs> uh, I know some people were heard about the soul ties. That's definitely been um, quite a popular thing, uh, especially amongst people my age in the past couple of years. So definitely have some conversation with folks about that. But I appreciate you uh, answering that and such a thorough analysis of the question. So I appreciate that, Robert. Yeah, I, I think, Brother Draper, that, that a lot of stuff that folks come up with in today's culture, that if you think about it logically and biblically, and scripturally, it makes no sense. It makes no sense, but because it sounds good, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a great sound bite. Folks go, "Ooh, yeah!" Like, uh, yeah. Don't. When it comes to the church, God doesn't ask you to leave your brain at the door. Mm. Yeah. I think I saw Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hi, Doctor Scott. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be going back when we get off this call and looking up um, the connection between the spirit and with well, the flesh and the soul because that's the first time I ever heard it put like that. So thank you for that that nugget. Yeah. I definitely will Read be Genesis, studying that. Genesis two. Read Genesis two. Right. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So um, I have this. You ready, Doctor Scott, for this one? No. <laughs> <laughs> This is sort of a two-parter. Um, this is a very personal question to myself as well, because this is something that my family and I discuss pretty often. This is something that we deal with in our family. Um, I know a lot of friends and a lot of people out there are gonna definitely be blessed by this answer. Uh, so concerning homosexuality and all the scriptures and biblical teachings condemning this lifestyle, as a believer of Christ and the Holy Bible, 
as a doer of his word, understanding the condemnation of sin and our duty to refrain from such behaviors, also understanding God's teaching of love, how does a believer navigate situations such as attending a homosexual wedding, baby shower, et cetera, and or having homosexual friends and family? Um, specifically because uh, is there any difference between attending a homosexual wedding versus a wedding of a couple who has fornicated prior to their marriage and or has had multiple domestic violence disputes, et cetera, um, other things that biblically are considered to be sin? Is there any difference um, in that? So that's kind of the part two to that question or a further explanation of that. So let me, if I could, um, can I answer it backwards? Sure. Um, let me deal with with the idea of attending a homosexual wedding versus you going to a wedding of people who are getting married. Um, and I'm thinking when you say that a man and a woman, that's what I'm thinking. You're talking about the context of a man and a woman who have been living together, fornicating and them. Yes. Getting or, yes. you know, people who have been in a domestic violent relationship. And that's a very that's a very complicated, complex issue to deal with. So let me deal with the domestic violence first. Um, if, if, if a couple wants to get married, and particularly if they want me to marry them, and if they have been, you know, um, a lot of domestic violent issues that's been going on, as far as that couple is concerned, um, I would probably advise them not to get married uh, until they've had significant counseling and until it's been demonstrated that, you know, um, they've gotten beyond those issues. Uh, I, I, I have in almost 30 years of pastoring, I've refused to marry, I think it's three couples. And um, one of the reasons, one, one couple I refused to marry was because of the issue of violence in that relationship. My name was not going to be on their certificate. And me knowing that, Dude was just, I, I wasn't going to do that. So, um, uh, so as a pastor, as a pastor, I, I would advise, you know, if there is that type of situation going on that, um, you know, we know that love covers a multitude of sins, but God ain't expected for you to stay in a, a, a situation where you're getting the help out of you. That is not God's desire nor intention. Um, and I, I'll tell anybody it. Um, so dealing with the, the the dealing with the domestic issue, um, um, if that is still happening, uh, if there has not been the counseling, if there has not been the um, uh, the serious, significant psychological and emotional work done, that you know a person can say, okay, I feel comfortable that this couple has moved beyond that. Then, then I, I, I would not counsel them to get married. And, and, then, and you got some folks, regardless of what they do, they would still go ahead and get married. And that's on them. Um, um, that's, that's on them. Dealing with couples who, who are fornicating versus those who are homosexual. So let's, let's, let's deal with what it is that, that, that God desires versus what the culture says. And there's a major difference. And I think that we have to understand <laughs> that marriage in the church is a R-I-T-E, R-I-T-E. It's a right, R-I-T-E. In the culture, 
um, marriage is now being defined as a right, R-I-G-H-T. So what is a R-I-G-H-T in the culture, depending on the church, may not necessarily translate into a R-I-T-E. Get it? So, so when it comes to a R-I-T-E, depending on what that church, and there are churches that are open and affirming that will have persons or that will allow for people who are homosexual to get married. And, and that is, you know, um, part of what's going on as far as our culture is concerned. And so if that's like R-I-T-E of that church, they're going to flow as far as that manner is concerned. Um, but it is not the same that, that if you look at what the Bible says, it is not the same as attending the wedding of someone who had been living together and fornicating. Because according to scripture, according to scripture, and, and I'll be the first to say, I think that one of the dangers in this culture is really trying to shift the Bible to fit our idiosyncrasies that really have nothing to do that, that really, when you do the deep dive into the culture and the Greek and the wording of scripture, we're, we're trying to make scripture fit what the culture wants rather than what was going on at that particular time, which is why it's so important to understand the historical, cultural, linguistic uh, aspect of the word of God. So to answer the question, um, to answer the question, I cannot say, I cannot say that in scripture, homosexual marriage is supported. In my reading of the Bible, I cannot say that, that homosexual marriage uh, is supported. I can say in scripture that Paul talked about how it's better to marry than to burn. And he was talking about male-female relationship. And in, in talking about male-female relationship, you see that he delineates that throughout the writing. Because he talks about how the woman's body doesn't belong to her and how the man's body doesn't belong to him. So, you know, a lot of us get when it comes to our understanding of homosexuality versus um, male-female marriage. Uh, a lot of us get our writing or our understanding from Paul's writings. And unfortunately, we pull some things from Leviticus and we misinterpret those those things. So when when we when it comes to to that, as far as how I view and would carry out the R.I.T.E. of of, of, of marriage, it will be here at St. Paul between a man and a woman. And, and that's my biblical understanding. That would be my biblical practice. Now, here, here, is, here is where, here is where we, we have to really be very careful about a couple of things. And, um, um, and this, is where, this is where the church has gone foul. Number one, we have to understand that God is a God of love, but God is also a God of judgment. And one day judgment is going to take place. Now, we love to talk about God being a God of love, but we want to talk about God being a God of judgment. And the same God that is God of love that Jesus talks about, Jesus also talks about him judging. Now, we talk about love, but we want to talk about judgment. And, and so for us as Christians, 
the judgment that God gives is going to be based upon our works. For those who aren't saved or those that don't have a relationship with God, their judgment is going to be based upon eternal separation from God. So um, that's that's one thing. Now, when it comes to our brothers and sisters that are LGBTQIA, here is where the church is going to foul. We've gone foul in the sense of castigating demeaning their humanity. All right. Now, let's be honest. I don't know about you, Ashley, but I got folks that are part of the LGBTQ community in my family. They're in my family. And I love them no less. They're they're part of my family, you know. Yeah. You know, they're 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 you know, they at the family reunion. Eat right. fried chicken and potato salad. <laughs> they're part of the church. Mm-hmm. They're in the church. I ain't trying to put them out because mm-hmm. I'm in need of the grace of God, just like them. So I ain't trying to put them out. I let God do what God's gonna do, and 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 in handling how God is going to deal with that as far as as judgment is concerned. But I ain't trying to put them out because all of us right. are navigating the same sacred space. We all are in need of the grace and the mercy of, of God as far as our reality is concerned. So I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not trying to castigate. And, and, and I have to admit that this has been a growing edge for me over the last 30 years, because when I was younger, um, when I was younger, you know, I, I was ultra, relatively ultra conservative. And I thank God that God has allowed for me to grow um, mm-hmm. as far as grace is concerned. And part of me making that shift from being so judgmental in my preaching is some personal experiences I've had in my life. I'm, I'm a divorcee. You know, God mm-hmm. hates divorce. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, Jesus talks about what a person who's divorced goes through. And I'm a recipient right. of God's grace. I mean, me going through a divorce could have, in some churches, disqualified me from ministry. Right. Uh, but it didn't. You know, and I've seen God's grace and, and the hand of grace be, be very apparent as far as my life is concerned. And so I think that for our sisters who are LGBTQ, um, uh, I'm, I'm very welcoming and I'm very accepting um, of um, um, I'm very welcoming and I'm very accepting of, of them and very engaging with them because they're in the church. And some of us know, some, if not quite a few folks, know who they are. And I I have seen them be just as faithful in their assignment to God as those people who claim to be straight. But yet also at the same time, again, all of us find ourselves having this susceptibility to the grace of, of God. Uh, that 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 allows for us to continue to have this this growing edge. Now I know that what I shared, uh, what I just shared, some folks are gonna say, "Oh, you're homophobic." And now I'm not I'm not homophobic because I'm not afraid or I have no fear of anybody that may be gay, lesbian, transgender, or whatever. I'm 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 not afraid of them, not scared of them. Um, 
I'm not going to castigate them, but also at the same time, I'm called to be a conduit of the grace and the mercy of God, while at the same time holding steadfast to what the word of God says that allows for God's grace to come through. Uh, I'll use this as a prime example. Jesus, when the woman was caught in the very act of adultery in John chapter eight, um, and Jesus you know, questioned the Pharisees and started writing on the ground and then her accusers left. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. He said, well, I'm not gonna accuse you either. Go and sin no more. And so here's what I want, want us to understand. And this is regardless of where we are, that Jesus never condones our sins, but he always gives us an opportunity to escape his condemnation. Thank you for that, Pastor. That was very insightful. I appreciate that thorough, very thorough and deep explanation. Thank you. Took my self off, self off mute this time <laughs> before I started talking. So, Pastor, um, I know that was a very heavy, heavy question, um, and I'm about to hit you with another heavy one. <laughs> okay, so you know, kind of in the same vein of homosexuality, you know, there is the concept of Christianity in the Western world, right? Mm -hmm. From all the, you know, everything that you've learned about Christianity, as me as an as a young adult. You know, there was a lot of persecution and discrimination that went along with the flow of Christianity into the Western world. Mm -hmm. um, I can even give you examples today of, you know, having uh, atheists or agnostic friends who are judged by Christians mm -hmm. being told you're going to go to hell because they don't necessarily believe in God. Right. So mm -hmm. with all of that together and also the condemnation of the LGBTQ community, what can you say or what's your advice for, you know, trying to bring people to Christ? What is what is really what we should be focusing on and how do you separate what we should believe in? Um, sorry, the question I got away from it with all the things that I was going through in my head. No, I, I, I think I think. Yeah, don't sweat it. I think I, I get the, the essence of what you come from. And, and first of all, you're very much on point when it comes to Christianity in the West. And I, I think, uh, Sister Jessica, that one of the issues that is facing a lot of us in today's culture is that a lot of us fail to understand what is the original root and dynamic of Christianity. That Christianity did not start in Europe. <laughs> it really, really has its genesis in, in, in the Afro-Asiatic aspect of, 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 um, of, of Israel, Palestine, and then, of course, the framing of the doctrines of the church really came from, from North Africa. So, you know, if you trace modern-day Turkey all the way down to Egypt and Alexandria, a lot of the influences as far as early Christianity is concerned comes from, from that area. Well, a lot of folks fail to understand, and this is why when you hear Black folks say Christianity is white man's religion, Part of the issue is they don't know their history. Okay, they they they're clueless to their their history, and so 
racism is really a new world construct. It really started about late 1300s, early 1400s, and then it became a justifier for the slave trade that um, then, of course, continues to perpetuate economic systems like capitalism, stuff like that, which is is the development of a of a Western Christianity that is void of the substantive systematic theology that undergirds why we do what we do, because if that was the case, we wouldn't even be dealing with the issue of race. So unfortunately, the Bible and biblical understanding of the Bible has been co-opted by white folks and of course became polluted. So part of what has happened is we got to un understand what is the original intent. There's this book that uh, has come out recently called Urban Apologetics by uh, Dr. Eric Mason. He passes the Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia. And it's really talking about what we as African-Americans uh, in general, in, in particular, and blacks across, black and brown people across the globe are facing when it comes to apologetics. Now, apologetics is nothing but a fancy word for the defense of the gospel. So in urban apologetics, it talks about our black identity, you know, how we are not cursed. It helps us to understand how these different BRIC and BRIC are black religious identity cultures like the Hebrew Israelites and the nation of Islam and the Kemetics and stuff like that. And how those are syncretistic religions that have basically been polluted by their own Gnostic understanding that has nothing to do with biblical interpretation and scripture. So I say all that to, to say that we have to, the, the, we have to understand why we do what we do and we have to have a strong understanding and defense of the gospel to deal with the germane issue of what you talked about as far as the LGBTQ uh, community um, and how the Bible has been polluted. We got to reclaim the Bible and we got to reclaim it in, in such a way that it informs, watch this, our behavior. But the only way it can inform our behavior is that we know what we believe because belief informs behavior. And the reason why some folks behave the way that they do is because they don't have a strong belief or strong uh, understanding of the word of God that will empower them to do some things the way that Jesus did it. So when we see um, people in the LGBT community being pollute, being, being, you know, castigated by quote, so-called church folks, uh, you know that they don't have a strong, watch this, love ethic. Okay. Now, let me, let me share this with you. Um, back at my last church, back at my last church, um, there was um, this young lady who's dressed like a like a dude. I mean, when I first saw her, I called him a he, and she and and she said, "I ain't no he, I'm a she." I'm saying to myself, "Well, hell, you dressed like a man. I thought you were, you know, you know, I, I didn't know." And, 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 but, but she was, she, she was dressed like a man, shirt tight. I mean, but I thought it was he. So once she correct me, um, you know, she, you know, was coming to church, joined the church, uh, got active in our media ministry, being the way that she was, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't like she can't work in, in, in the media ministry because, you know, she 
dressed like a man, being away, and was one of my hardest workers. One of, one of the most faithful people of the ministry. She asked me, uh, this was right around time when I think the state of Iowa had okayed uh, same-sex marriage. She wanted me to come to Iowa to perform the wedding for the woman that she was going to get married to. And I had to draw the line because that did not square with my theology and my understanding of what God desires. And so I told her that I could not do her wedding, you know, based upon the theology that I had and, and how, you know, I, I look at marriage as R-I-T-E. She was greatly disappointed. Um, uh, she went ahead and got married. She had stopped coming to church because I didn't do the wedding. But here's what happened. My people that she used to work with, as far as that ministry was concerned, reached out and said, hey, why you hadn't been to church? And she was like, well, I feel, you know, the Dr. Scott looked at me. She said, oh, and they, and they would tell her, Dr. Scott ain't, you know, going to look at you funny and whatever. So one day, you know, she showed up with her wife. They sat together. Nobody said nothing. <laughs> you know, if, you know, we, I allowed for her to do whatever she needed to do. Uh, and I wasn't going to kick her out of church because, you know, she went to Iowa and got married or anything like that. But I wasn't going to also condone it, if that makes any sense. So um, what happened was her and that young lady eventually got a divorce. They they didn't stay together long. They wound up going. She got sick. She got sick. And I got word that she had gotten sick. And when I got word she had gotten sick, I went to the hospital to visit her. When I walked in. She had, she sat straight up in her bed and she said, Pastor Scott? I said, yeah. And she started crying. I mean, just started crying. And um, I went and got a piece of paper and started writing. I said, why are you crying? She said, you're here to see me. I said, yeah, you, one of our disciples. Why would you? She said, well, I thought you wouldn't come see me. I said, what made you think that? She said, well, because you didn't do the wedding. I said, me not doing the wedding has no bearing on me being your pastor to be there for you when you need me most. You, you, you could have gone to the courthouse and got married. But there are some things that as a pastor that I can do that a doctor can't. And that's to convey the grace of God. I said, and, and, and that, you know, uh, that has nothing to do. One doesn't have really anything to do with the other. And so, um, yeah, it's a it's a thorny issue. It's a tough issue. Uh, the way the culture is shifting. But I think that if the church is going to be the church, we have to really know how to navigate the issues of the culture. While at the same time being uh, faithful. To what the word of God says and what the original intent of the divine is as far as our humanity is concerned. Thank you, Pastor. That was well put. Thank you for sharing that with us. You're on mute, Ashley. <laughs> my bad. That's that mute button. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. 
I know. Thank y'all so much. Thank you, panelists Draper, Jessica, Ashley. Um, we always have like so many questions and not enough time. I have to, we're gonna have to talk about extending this time next time we do this. We got, I got, I got a prayer call coming up. <laughs> next, but next time we do this, we got you got to give us like an hour and a half or something. Because that is God, we love you, but you long-winded. You got a lot to say, and it's a lot for us to know. So we can't. I'm not long winded. I just try to be thorough. Right. You thorough. Yes, you thorough. And we need the thoroughness. And we've got it's so many questions. So I hope that next time we can have a little bit more time um, to get through them. We have the questions, and we're going to, and Dr. Scott has them. And, you know, when we have time that sees fit, we're going to try to answer these questions as much as possible, even if that's, you know, sending you an email back or sending you a DM back about what Dr. Scott said about that, because I know your questions are important and your your questions are important to us and I'm sure to Dr. Scott and we don't want to leave y'all hanging. But we thank y'all so much for coming on. We thank you panelists. We thank you, Dr. Scott. We know you got to go to, to your prayer for the other saints, for the senior saints. <laughs> well, it ain't senior saints. It's, it's oh. all love. Yeah. It well, the rest of the saints. Yeah. It's, 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 it's anybody that want to join us as far as prayer call is concerned. It's, yes. It's the senior saints. Yes. It's the, well, the saints. <laughs> My bad. We can't hog all the time, although we would try. <laughs> Again, we thank you so much. Tune in next. Um, look, look forward for an, our next tie, our tie topic for next month. Um, we're gonna see. I'm sure it's gonna be something good. Um, so I will see you guys, and we will bid you adieu. All right. Thank Bye. you. <laughs>